We're going to switch things around today a little bit. Uh, I would consider these two men to my right very dignified, very godly men, committed to the Lord. But I think more than that, I would consider them very godly and very wise men. And what we thought about is maybe this morning we wanted to look at maybe how to be good stewards. I'm not exactly sure, Eric, if you or Kenan can help me with this word, or maybe if one of y'all could help me. Another word for the word steward might be, somebody want to help me out? Ken, can you help me? Another word for steward? A manager. A manager? Maybe a keeper. A keeper? Uh, A guardian? A guardian. A caretaker. Okay. Eric, you have one word that you want to throw out there? You already used them. He says they're all gone. He says the vocabulary has been used. Eric's going to be on green. (laughs) And so... That's uh, green, Eric. What we want to look at this morning is how to be a good steward of three areas of our life. How to be a steward of our time. Sometimes, you know, we hear these thoughts and just kind of rolls right past us. How to be a good steward of our talents. Now, in Scripture, normally talents is a figure of money. But for our cause this morning, we're going to look at talent as maybe a gifting that you might have or an ability. Uh, In Spanish, you use the word undon. It's a gift. And so we want to be good stewards of our time, of our talents, whatever God has enabled us or given us this gift to operate in, and also how to be a good steward of our treasure. And so that's the theme that we're going to kind of be looking at this morning. And the very first thing that uh, we'd maybe want to start with is how to be a good manager or how to be a good steward of our time. So, Kenan, I'm going to start with you. And the question maybe that I'd like to... This is unrehearsed, by the way. That is what? It's, this is unrehearsed. So. This is unrehearsed, Kennedy. It sure is. And so um, the question that I'd like to ask, pose both to you and Eric, and I'll take a stab at it at the very end myself, is that um, what do you do to effectively use your time for God's sake or how to glorify God the way that we had the question up there, in what ways are you using your time for God? So as you begin to think about this, maybe you've had a chance to think about it, what do you do to effectively use your time for God's sake, or what are you, in what ways are you using your time for the Lord? Most most of my time in service, I guess, would be to this church. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. So um, effectively, hopefully it's effective. Um, so uh, I'm very involved in the worship team, of course. Here uh, we come on Sunday morning. You might not. You might be sleeping when we show up at 7:30 to come here and start uh, some practice for the uh, morning service that we have. Uh, we just found that that is the most effective way to use everybody that can be here. Uh, we've tried to practice at different times and different evenings, and it just did never work out. Somebody has to work, somebody can't work, somebody does work, somebody has obligations. And so uh, we pack a lot in that time uh, that we get in, get set up, 
you know, technology is an amazing thing when it works well, and it's really frustrating when it doesn't work well. And so oftentimes on Sunday morning, we run into some issues and some stuff that we have to work through uh, with sound and video and so forth. So that's part of what we're doing as well and trying to make all of those things effective for you, really, as a congregation when you come here. Not to be distracted, but to be encouraged into worship so no other things are distracting or are glaring so those are some ways we effectively use the Sunday morning time as a worship team secondly for me I'm involved also with the youth group and so uh, that requires a lot of time in different ways but mostly for me it is just the Sunday afternoon and evening and so that's where we get involved. Unless I'm asked to teach, then that takes up a lot more time, as Pastor Ted, I'm sure you could attest to, during a week. Uh, when I teach for Sunday morning, I mean, so for Sunday night for youth, uh, it really consumes the week for me. What does serving the Lord with your time, what does that do for you? It makes me busy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, I guess there's a sense of satisfaction in what I'm doing is meaningful. Um, I know that what we try to do here in the music is not about players and a team of people playing instruments and how good we are or how bad we are or what's working well or not. We want to, again, not be distracting in our worship, but we want to be what we've said a long time in this team. We want to be the first worshipers to encourage you to join in and just come along and worship with us. So I, I feel when I, when I'm not checking you out, but you know, I'm up there, I'm sitting in a glass booth, I can look out and see you. Uh, it's encouraging to see you just lost in worship. That's, that's effective. When you, as a congregation, have entered into worship because of some things that we're doing as a team together, that's really encouraging. And then to be involved in a kid's life, a student's life, and they come alongside and ask some really uh, meaningful questions, not just Sunday school questions, if you know what I mean. Like this one girl uh, asked me one time, I was driving with a van full of people, and she was sitting in the passenger seat up front. So... Sometimes you can have a conversation, even though there's 15 other people. And she said, do you have to, like, be a pastor or something to serve God on a regular basis? And we got into how could you serve God. So uh, just being able to speak into a person's life like that one-on-one -on -one, is really uh, satisfying to me personally. Eric, how would you take that question? Same question. Pose you the same question. You're talking personally. What would I or? Yes, yes. Well, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I'll pick it up a little bit better here. <laughs> um, I guess when you think about, you know, our time, it's just like our talents and everything we get, it's, it's all actually his. And so anything we give back is just a portion of what he's already given us anyway, as far as time just like finances or anything else too um the things i've been involved in i you know we did see these questions before so we had a little time to think about it i didn't want to have an anisimus moment here today so <laughs> i knew who he was but i didn't know the details so 
last week, I guess. But um, Different things I've been involved in over the years. I wrote them down. Um, Sunday mornings, I help with the security team. Now, that's not every week, but uh, different times as the need is. Uh, for a long time, I've been on the church board and helped there wherever we can. I've uh, been the treasurer for quite a while with the church. I mean, I can remember counting the offering over at Teen Challenge in the aisle back where the men's room was on a chair. Just, it didn't take long back then either. <laughs> We've come a little ways. <laughs> um, helping with Sunday school, occasionally I've helped to teach a short segment. I'm not a big teacher as far as some of the ones we know that are the heavy hitters, you might call <laughs> But when asked, there's usually some different subjects I could probably share a few things on that may help other people. Um, I do help a little more on Wednesday nights with Royal Rangers. I've helped a lot over the years with that. Um, I've actually been on the sectional staff for many years, which helps to uh, come up with uh, activities in a section-wide when all the churches in our section get together for a Ranger event. And we've had some of those events here, winter days and uh, or fall camperies and things like that. We've had here at our church, actually, we've hosted. Um, and there's a lot of prep time, too. It's just like what he's talking. It isn't just what happens when you're in the building here. A lot of that time is preparation time elsewhere. Sunday school teachers know what that is. They don't just walk in, open the book, and do it. Or if they do, it's probably not going to be as effective as if they had some time and prayer spent ahead of time too. Mm -hmm. So that adds up to time that's spent as well. Um, other church activities, uh, we have different activities. I usually try and make myself available for those, whether it's a community day or when we were building the church. I can remember just about every Saturday for a couple years, there was a group of men here building, constructing this church building. And once they got out of the ground, <laughs> it's, it would rain a lot when we were trying to build the footers. And Pastor Ted was the head bailer. <laughs> He's bailing out the ditch all the time because it kept raining and filling up the ditches before we put the footers. Once we got above the ground, every Saturday, it was a nice day, and we got a lot done week after week after week. And the first year, we got it closed in by November, starting in March. And by November, we had it closed in. And then by the next year, for Thanksgiving time, we had our service here. And that was very special, just to be involved in that, because you were involved with the other men. And something about being involved with other people and in activities in a church, you get to know, that's all right, I don't need that. <laughs> you get to know each other when you're working side by side. You talk about things that you might not in a more formal setting. You know, we're supposed to pay attention to Pastor Ted in here the best we can, not chit-chat with our friends and everything like that in a Sunday morning service for the time we're here in the building. But when you're working... And do those things and that's kind of a blessing when you're involved in that and there's always you know our time is also to be spent every day you know whether it's your own personal time with the Lord that should be a part of your time you spend and you should be available 24-7 I don't think anybody's ever asked to be a Christian you know five hours a day or you know x many hours a week it should be 24-7 that we're on duty as a Christian. Um, I was involved for many years at Teen Challenge. That's a full-time ministry there. 
Now, granted, my position there was on the farm, so I was farming, but I was also working with guys in the program, and day by day again, you work with people, and you can interact with them in real-life situations. They can see what happens when you smack your finger with a thumb, you know, your thumb with a hammer, and whether you flip out or whether you act in a more godly way, you know. <laughs> but those things are all, the opportunities are limitless, but... Uh, let me ask both of you a question here. Can uh, go first? We're sitting here just as part of the body of Christ. What are things that people might either a do to misuse time, or what are things that we can do to use our time more effectively for God's glory? You can take either one of those two approaches. What are things that we do to either misuse our time as believers, or b what are things that we can do to effectively use time? I think if you don't make, um, if you don't set aside and you don't pr be purposeful about your time, it's super easy to binge watch Netflix shows, right? Uh, you just watch one and the next one because they feed them to you, right? Or if you're on Facebook and you watch one video, now if you see Facebook, maybe you don't have this and it's just in our house. But um, the next video just starts and you can be there for an hour and a half and all of a sudden you look up and you go, man, I didn't cook supper or we didn't do anything. It's 8.30 and you've just basically squandered a lot of time. Um, this is interesting. I didn't think about this for just a second. Um, I'm part of a little beta question thing for Comcast, Xfinity. Um, and they sent a survey out last week. I filled it out. They sent back the results because they just thought it would be interesting for the participants to see. The average time spent watching television for a 35 or higher year old person is four and a half hours a day. Four and a half hours a day, and then they're distinguishing whether it's regular television or whether it's streamed like a Netflix or a, a, a Hulu or something like that. So uh, there is, that's the average, right? So there's higher and there's a certainly lower, but the average four and a half hours a day out of the people they, they surveyed. So that tells you that it's really easy just to kind of become sort of not purposeful. And as you're not purposeful in what you need to do or want to accomplish or have a goal to get to, then there's no reason to do anything to get to the goal. That comes into finances as well. If there's no goal, and, and really every area, which is what this is ultimately getting to, if you don't have a goal for something, then you'll get to nothing really easily, right? So then, Eric, as you and Ken contemplate that question, are you both saying then that if we spend too much time on entertainment, that that can, to some degree, rob God of glory? Are we saying that then? That if we're spending too much time on entertainment, or if we don't have purpose, maybe as we should, that it makes us less effective, less close to the heart of God? We can't minister. Somebody calls us up, and there's no power of God because we've just kind of all our energy has gone someplace else. And are you then maybe both speaking, or at least I need to hear are you speaking then that maybe that's something that we need to guard to glorify God more with? Eric? Uh, well, let's look at it this way, okay? Time or talents or finances, all those things. We, you, uh, if you're talking about finances, people talk about being on a budget. Well, you could probably think the same way with your time. You, 
budget your time. Say, okay, I've got, <laughs> there's only how many hours in a day? Okay, if you're going to sleep six or eight hours, that's gone. If you've got to work eight hours or more, that's gone. So what do you have left in the day, okay? You have to think about those things if you want to accomplish what you want to do. Like you say with your goals, how am I going to get that done? You know, and you have to limit some things, I guess, or else you're going to debt, <laughs> right, with your time. You spend it all on something you didn't want it to, and now you're trying to, you can't catch up, you can't make up time. When time is gone, it's gone. You know, if you're looking at, you know, being involved in the lives of other people in your church, the opportunities are gone when they're gone. If you're watching your kids grow up and you're spending your time doing things and you don't spend the time with your kids, when they're grown, they're grown, and it's gone. So I remember Sonny Oliver over at the training center told one time, when you think about a, a person in their, say, their 40s, they have maybe 10,000 days left if you add it up. How many days a year? Do the math, whatever it is. If it's 10 or 20,000 days, that's not a very big number when you really sit down and pencil it out. I'm a little over 60. So if I've got 20 years times 360 days, 365 days in a year, it's, I'm, man, I'm down about, you know, if I lived 80, I've only got about seven. seven thousand days left that's not a lot of days <laughs> if you think about it and how fast does a day go by sometimes so it's important to it's a perspective you know to keep in your mind what what you really have to work with I mean, thankfully for Christians once this life is over we've got eternity <laughs> I don't know how you're going to figure on budgeting that how do you budget eternity <laughs> praise the Lord I won't have to worry about it I'll let him figure it out, and we'll just do what he asks. <laughs> Are we then saying that time is so valuable that if we here, if we lost everything that we had worked up to this point to get, but if we still had 10 or 15 more years of time, we could, with time, maybe recoup what we lost. Material but, things. Material things. Yeah. But if you had no more time and you had all wealth and everything that you needed, but you had no more time, then you could not even take advantage of everything that you had. So then are we saying that time is that important, that it's even much more important than gold and silver? There's one biblical passage that I think, do you remember that passage in scripture? When uh, there was a particular fellow that everything had gone really well for him. And that particular fellow said, man, it's gone so well. He says, I'm going to build. Can anybody help me out? He said, I'm going to do what? Build bigger and better barns, he says. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to take my ease and eat and drink and be merry. And then what happened to that fellow? Anybody remember? Yeah. That the Lord said, you fool. You fool. There's not too many people in the Bible that Jesus ever calls a fool. There's one. That's one of the fools right there. There's at least three times in the scriptures that people are fools. Uh, the fool is in Psalm where it says, um, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Uh, in Romans chapter 1 where it says, uh, they became foolish and they turned away from God and they began to glorify man. That's a fool. And here's the third fool. The man that presumed upon time. 
And the Lord said, you fool, this night your very soul is going to be required of you. And so if we're talking about being stewards of our time, we see the importance of time. And we see that we cannot presume upon time. The Bible says we are called to redeem the time. Because there's also another passage in Scripture where, a, where the master went far away and he told his servant to occupy and do things that he had to do in the field. And then when the servant came back in, he was going to be accountable to the master. The master was going to say, what have you done with what I asked you to do? And so we begin to see the importance of time. May we use our time to glorify this great king. My final thought on time is this. There are many people, when they get to their deathbed, they look back at their life and they're full of a lot of, what's the word you think I'm looking for? Regret. They're full of a lot of regrets. I could have, I should have. And they live a life of bitterness at the very end. But they have no more time. Their time was squandered. May we not live a life of regret. And to not live a life of regret, we need to use the present time that we have to glorify this wonderful King of kings and the Lord of lords. So how do you move forward with that? idea just if we stopped right now and we walked out the door what do you walk out as a congregation thinking about and that, to me in my mind it comes to the fact that we should just review take a minute of time and review what do you do what do you do on Sunday and it's not based out of fear you know oh I'm going to lose my time I might die tonight you know it's not a fear-based reaction you could be that way but I'd say you shouldn't be you should be hopeful that you may have tomorrow. You're not promised it, but you might have it. So what are you doing? What do you do in a general week? Maybe, maybe log your time for a week and see, what did I do? What do I do? What do I do in my life? You might think, oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty aware of myself. But if you really start to think back, what do I do on Monday nights? You know, if I don't have any commitments, I don't go anywhere, what am I doing? You know, some people know really well what they're doing. They're doing laundry and they're cooking and they're doing you know, whatever uh, might be the case for you. But some people may not. So I just encourage you to review. It's really the whole, these things flow so well together. It's really starting at a budget of what you do with your time. And what Eric said earlier, uh, we're spending our time, uh, really. It's just another way of spending and it's time. And... Uh, and just sitting on this stage. You know, I am absolutely nobody special. I am just Ken Baker from wherever I'm from. I'm a little confused. I'm from Atlanta. I'm from Marysburg. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's just speaking to me right now, really, this, this, uh, this afternoon, this morning. Just what do I do in my week? Because I waste a lot of time. Well, we say we love the Lord, but we'll spend four and a half hours every night watching TV. And so then that becomes close to a 35 hours a week, almost like a full work week. But we can use our time to say, God, if we love you, God, I want to honor you and glorify you because you've called me. And there's an old refrain, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And we will stand before the Lord and we will be rewarded or have lack of reward for what we have done with our time. Question number two. We have three questions. Concerning talents, concerning abilities, how are you fellows using your talents 
for God's glory. I think the way that I wrote it here, maybe you might even want to pursue this. What are roadblocks to us as individuals or as Christian people? What are roadblocks uh, that we can use or we can fall into that um, helps us not to or keeps us from really glorifying God with our talents? Maybe pick something up along that line. In what ways are you using your talents for God? I think uh, what I said before kind of talked about what I'm doing with my talents as far as uh, involved with this church in particular. Um, So I'm not really going to speak about me in particular, but I would say I would encourage you to think again about what, what are you, what, what really gets you going? What is your channel? What is the lane of your life? Are you a people person? Are you good with helping people? Uh, each one of you have some kind of ability. And uh, the older you get, the more you kind of get focused and you kind of figure it out. Like, this is really what kind of turns me on and gets me into uh, people and gets me involved in what's going on. Uh, and those are the things that you've been blessed with and you can bless with. And that's that's your lane, right? And so... Um, just use it. Uh, we were speaking this morning. We need more people involved just in the worship team and the audio and video areas of this church right here. Uh, you don't have to be amazing. You don't have to already know what you're doing in some of those aspects, and some you do. But in others, uh, we can teach you, or someone can teach you, or you can be taught if you're willing. Maybe that's a talent, <laughs> to be willing to be taught to do something. Uh, and just be teachable and say, I'm willing to help. I don't know how I can help, but I can go click some buttons on a computer and not destroy it. So that would be good. That would be a good factor. But, um, you know, um, and maybe you're not comfortable, but maybe you are. And so how can you invest, again, invest your time, now your ability, or at least your willingness of ability, and how can you put that to use um, and, of course, we like to couch this in Christianity and in this church in particular, but it may not be exactly here. It may be somewhere else. There's lots of ministries. There's things that you can get involved with. Maybe you just go to work. But you are the person that everyone at work comes to talk to. Off work time. <laughs> Honor the Lord, right? And uh, at lunchtime, oh, i got to talk to you. This is happening, you know, the story that we heard this morning. Can't you just hear a coworker telling that story to you, you know, about the concern about this person and the cancer, and they got 80%. So maybe you're that person that hears those kind of things. Uh, that's ability that you have to listen and to encourage. That is, that is super important for people to be a person that is approachable. Uh, so I just encourage you again. Where's your talent? What do you do? What do you really like to do? And then figure out how that works for you in your life. Let me just add this as Ken was speaking. Let me ask you a question. Can somebody tell me the story of Dorcas in the Bible? Just the essence of Dorcas. Who was Dorcas? Nate, who was Dorcas? Okay. She made clothes. But when we use our talents for God, help me out, church, what was the end result of Dorcas's life? She made clothes for the believers. That was her ministry. And somebody finished the end of that story. What happened to Dorcas? She died. 
And, and then the widows showed up and they were crying because they missed this woman that loved them just by sewing. And what did they do because of their crying? They asked Peter to come to pray for her. So the end result of that woman making clothes for people, she was resurrected back from the dead. That's the value of using our talents for the glory of God. Because we can sit here and you can hear these things, but if we don't really apply and use our talents to glorify God, that is one of the byproducts that happened in Dorcas' life. She received life, resurrected life again because of her love. Her love was greatly rewarded. How about this fellow? Help me out. What did David do when he was in the backside of the wilderness? All answers will be correct. What did David do? Somebody help me out. He was what? He was a, he was a shepherd. Okay. Took, took care of sheep. What else did he do? Clean poop. Clean the poop? Okay. <laughs> probably didn't. It just probably moved the herds. But would you say that David maybe might have practiced with a slingshot? That too? That too? Do you think that maybe... Dottie, killed, go ahead. killed a couple. Spent time in prayer? Is that maybe where some of the Psalms might have come out of? Did he also maybe use his fingers to play a harp? Well, what's the end result of him using his talent for the glory of God? Well, he was able to soothe the angry demonic spirit that came upon Saul. And his ability to use the slingshot, it freed a nation from fear because they're afraid of this big man called. And not only did it free the nation from fear, but his use of a slingshot took him from being shepherd of the sheep to being shepherd over the nation. He used his talent for the glory of God. Do you believe with me that God wants to use your talent and your ability to glorify God? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Are, you, are you using it? How about this one? Uh, Jim kind of mentioned it this morning. Bezalel and Aholiab. Anybody remember them old two rascals? Who were Bezalel and Aholiab? They were gifted doing. They were the craftsmen. But they were so good at their craft that what did Moses ask them to craft? To build a temple. Build the utensils for the temple. They weren't preachers. They didn't flap their jaws like, like these two guys. <laughs> but they used their talent. You don't have to be a preacher. What St. Francis of Assisi said, he said, preach, and if it's necessary, use words. And they preach with their hands. My friend, we're called to glorify God because one day we'll stand before him and somebody's going to have to stand behind the Apostle Paul. Somebody's going to have to give an account. What did you do with your... And God's going to say, oh, look at here, three and a half years, 1,700 hours watching uh, Cheers or watching whatever. You know, there, there, there's a balance there. We're not a legalistic thing here. Uh, that's what? Like I said, the office. I just want to make sure. 
Let you know what the what's the office about. It's a TV show called The Office. A lot of people watch it like over and over and over. Okay, okay, okay. I lost my Not train me. of thought. Merry Christmas, Hallelujah, Eric. You're next. <laughs> Can I jump in because I had a yeah, thought I wrote yeah. down. You know, um, you could be depressed. You could be kind of down on your life. You could be not feeling all of this, and you have nothing to give, and I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not important. I have found no matter what, if I start to help somebody do something, and I would credit my wife, she has pushed me way beyond my normal me in a great way. But if I start to help someone, my own life improves far more than I would have ever thought it would. If you start to, you got troubles, but if you start to hear someone else's troubles, not because theirs are worse than you and you feel better, <laughs> not that way, but as you start to help people and you give to people and you invest your talent and your time into someone else and their stuff, you start, some, somehow it works and you start to feel better about yourself. Your mood is lifted. Your uh, circumstances m may not change, but it just, it, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's true. You give to someone else, you will get out of your house, you will not sit there and mope and moan and be depressed about what's happening, what's bad, and I wish my kids had turned out better than they had, and all those things that are legitimate concerns that weigh heavy on your heart. But you go to give someone else, it will change your life. It will change that day for you. It may not change and fix anything, but it will change what you experience. Eric? What was the original question again I don't now? know. <laughs> We're going along. Well. In what ways are you... <laughs> using or giving your talents, or what would be in hindrances? What are obstacles, yeah. or what can people do I, to I use probably, their talents I've more? got a couple obstacles, I guess. Sometimes, it's, you know, Ken mentioned TV or things like that. Um, sometimes it's just our lifestyle. There's no substitute for living righteously. Now, I'm sure over the years, Pastor Ted has hit all the different topics, the things that you shouldn't do, you know, the you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't chew, you shouldn't run with girls that do, you know, and that kind of thing. But all the, you know, there's a lot of physical things that you can do to your body that isn't healthy. And if you're physically not healthy, then you're not as effective. You know, even just thinking about things like exercise and, you know, eating good. You know, a lot of our problems are a result of, you know, you are what you eat. <laughs> that may not be scriptural, but it, it certainly does make a difference. Um, you know, those are just a couple of little practical things sometimes, you know. It's like your car. If you don't put oil in it, if you don't check the tires and things like that, it's not going to serve you as well. If we don't take care of the temple, our physical one, as much as the church, you know. I'm not trying to get people going for, you know, church cleanup day. That We did that already, but it's an ongoing thing, you know, just maintaining things. Um, and that's, even there's a place for ministry, too, you know. It's just, you know, the little simple things. You pe you see a piece of paper in the, you know, in the hallway, you pick it up. You don't make it look, leave it like it's trashy. Um, and a lot of this, too, you know, our talents, there is a place where we need to trust the Lord to take care of us, too. You know, if we do the things we are supposed to, that's even healthy. Just having a healthy faith you know, and trusting God to take care of us because we're doing what we're supposed to do. 
You know, if we're oh, preoccupied with uh, worries or doubts and fears, that's not healthy, and that's not good for us. We, we have to have a, a true faith. I, I think back one time when oh, early in our marriage, and we were, finances were very tight. They've generally been tight in our family just because I didn't work at a high fancy job, and my wife, we raised kids at home. We figured it was you know, easier to do it that way than to send them off someplace and have her work and pay for it, you know. And so her time would have been, a lot of it spent for very little, you know, and then you wouldn't have had the time with the family as well. So, um, but things were tight, and I was bemoaning my situation a little bit to my mother, and she said, where's your faith? I thought, ooh, <laughs> good point, you know, we... You know, things may not always be what we want or, th- or think we should have. But we just have to trust the Lord to take care of us. Um, I don't know if you want an example. Or well, what I want to go, get to that point. Yeah, I'd like to go to the third question is that yeah. what would both of y'all share? What would both of y'all share? How can uh, we as believers prosper more financially? What would you say? What are some tips, maybe practical tips for good financial stewardship? The way that I kind of wrote it out is either can you give some practical tips so that people can be better managers of their money, but not only better managers of their money, but how that they can prosper financially even more practically because God's concerned about money and God wants to bless his people. But what are some things that y'all would share that would be practical tips on how they could just Prosper more financially. Somebody said, a raise, huh? <laughs> yeah, but then he's got to get a raise so that he can pay for the extra cost. It's a vicious cycle, that is, sometimes. Go you to know? your boss and say, your church told you to ask for a raise. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll pray for you, yeah, Joe. <laughs> and your boss will say, we'll pray for you. Right. <laughs> Uh, you're bringing up the aspect of tithing. Ken and Eric, go ahead. What would you share? Okay. Um, I would say yes, tithe. It's, it's all his, and if you make that small sacrifice, it's a testimony of his first place in your life. Um, I had an example I thought about, and it doesn't always got to be my personal life. <laughs> we do have some, but um, I thought about... Uh, I guess it was Elijah, yes, and uh, just after he was hiding out in the cave and the ravens took care of him, then he, God told him to go into Seraphath, there was a widow who was going to take care of you, okay, so he went his way that direction, and uh, when he got to there, the Lord told him to ask her to make you some, to give you some food, and she said, sir, I, I can't. Because I've only got a little, I'm out here gathering a few sticks so I can uh, make a last meal for my son. I've got just a little bit of meal and oil that we can make one more meal and we're, we're done. You know, that's all we have. Is there was a famine in the land. And he said, the Lord said, if you make a cake for me first, then you make it for your son and you'll never run out. Okay? <laughs> that's a better example than I can think of anything we can come up with. Now, Yes, in our lives it does work, but give it to the Lord first, not what's left over. 
Because that's not much of a testimony. Oh, I got a few bucks left, I'll throw it in the plate. That's, <laughs> that's really not what God's looking for. He's looking for our heart, first and foremost. And then if our heart is right, then we're going to be cheerfully giving just a, enough of a portion to make sure the church runs. And a pastor told me a long time ago, he said, Eric, you, what, people ask questions about tithe. Is it on the gross? Is it on the net? And all that. And he said, if you ask the Lord, you give what he really wants you to give, the tithe is just a starting point. And he said, you'll find that you're giving much more than what, if you add it up, what the tithe is, if you're being obedient to the Lord. Because he can bless you, and it's not because you don't have enough to tithe. <laughs> Some people, the more, they, the more they get, the less they think they can tithe. And I haven't figured that one out. But uh, um, that's important because it's just a testimony, and it kind of frees God's hand. He said, test me in this. There's one thing he told us in Malachi to do, to test him in. He doesn't tell you to test him all the time. I, I'm not big on testing God on a lot of stuff, but he says, that's one area you can. See if I won't pour out from heaven all the blessings on you if you're faithful to him. And unfortunately, you know, the tithe is supposed to go to the storehouse. That's the place where you're fed, okay? That's the storehouse where you put your food that you put in enough so then you've got something to take out when you need it. And some people cast it everywhere else too. And then it's not enough in the storehouse when the storehouse has things to take care of. So make sure your tithe goes to your church. And there's no problem with giving offerings to other ministries. There's, you know, you don't have to give all kinds of offerings to the church unless God's prompting you to. But at least if everybody did the tithe, then there'd be plenty of activities above and beyond in our church that we could be able to do because there'd be an abundance. Um, the tithe is a big thing, and oh, and also a second story in the Bible that I saw too was uh, the four lepers. This is a little later, Second Kings, when there was a big famine in the city of Samaria, and there was no food left. They said, "There's no sense staying here. There's nothing here for us." They went out, and God had chased the army away, so all the camp was all the Arameans or whatever it was. Their camp was all there because they just beat feet and ran. All the stuff was there. They found that camp, and all the provisions were there in that camp. And they started, "Wow, look at all the food!" They went from one tent to another and found all kinds of money and their food supplies and stuff. And they started to enjoy that for a minute, and they said, "Wait a minute." We can't do this. We can't keep it all for ourselves. You know, everybody's missing out on the blessing if we don't share it. So that's an incentive for us too, scriptural incentive as far as I'm concerned, that we should be sharing what God has given us with other people. And that goes back to not just your finances, but your time as well. Pour it back. Give it ahead, you know, is the common thing is, you know. Give it ahead so that other people are blessed as well. Ken? <clears throat> okay. Um, if you work in a company that offers a 401k, you should be doing it. This is a word from the Lord. <laughs> it's free money. Uh, even uh, part-time positions in many companies offer a 401k. You may not know it, uh, but Dutchway. I'm not saying you should go work at Dutchway, but Dutchway, for part-time people, offer after a year a 401k. They will match you with free money. You put in 3%, they'll give you 3%. That is still 
uh, fortunately common in the United States with companies. Lots of stuff has changed with insurance and so forth, but that one thing is just absolutely a free money, and by the way, it's making you begin to save, even if it's just 3% of your income. And that is also before uh, the government gets involved, usually, so it's tax-free as well. So I would say that if you have not, if you cannot save, if you don't have the ability or you think that in your head right now that you're just not a saver, I can't save one dime, that's one way you can begin a, a small amount of savings that surprisingly grows very quickly, much quickly, much more quickly than you would anticipate. Um, we started a 401k uh, and uh, looked back at it the other day, and I was honestly surprised at the number that it was at. Uh, just did not anticipate it being there. And so uh, I would say if that's available to you, you should absolutely do it. And if you can afford, sometimes you can do 6%, and they'll match three, and you took, take your six. You're now saving 6% of your income, and you're getting three for free, absolutely free money. So that's a 401k. If you work for a nonprofit, it's called a, four, a, five, a 403b. 403b, 401k. Just remember 4K, 4B, something like that. You just say, just go to your employer and say, do you have a 4-something-B-K thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just ask for free money. Uh, <laughs> all right. So then the next, so, so being financially secure. Why do you want to be financially secure? Because you don't want to be the burden. Not because you can get the next Xbox and the brand new iPhone 10XS with 128 meg of memory, uh, which is nice. But why do you want to be financially secure? So you are not the burden for society. You're not the burden for a church and a community of believers and the family. But you're actually able to give into and provide for someone else. It's not about you. What was the, what would we do for a year? What was the term? I can't each think. Each one, each one, each one, reach one. It's outside of you. It's beyond you. Uh, again, I refer to my wife because she is a giver. She will bring people in. She will give everything she has, and I'm like, you gave what? And I, I, I say that a lot. Uh, and she has taught me to be outside of me and to give to other people. I'm generally a selfish person and very self-centered and kind of me-focused, and so I credit her for that. So as you build on these principles of financial stability, then you are free to do some things because otherwise you're just living paycheck, maybe not even making it to the next paycheck, and that's all you're thinking about in your life. The stress level goes up because you can't pay for bills, so now you're having stress between relationships, and just life can get really crazy when money is not working well. So here's some things. So start with that 401k if you can. It's free money. Also start with any kind of savings. If you can save $10 every time you get paid, just $10, and you put it in an account that you can't get to easily. Maybe start another savings account at your bank or savings and loan that doesn't cost you money. Usually savings accounts don't charge. And put that money aside so that you don't get access to it super easy. So once it becomes $152, you're not tempted to go to McDonald's or to Long John's or wherever you go to or wherever. Anyway, so... So then you start to get a savings, and then that savings will begin to grow, 
right? And you can talk about how you can make it grow later, but don't worry about that. Just save $10 or save $50 or save something. And your goal, like we talked about with our finances and what we talked about with our talent, is do you have a goal? What's the goal? Here's your goal. You want six months of your income in an account that you don't spend. So how much do you make? Think about it. How much is your last check? All right, times two if you get paid every month. All right, so there's your number. Then times that by six. That's a great goal to get to, right? Can you get six months of your own income so that if something happens, if you lose your job, if whatever happens, you have something that you have to dip into that is not creating debt. Debt is your killer for finances. Debt is a stealer and a robber. There is no reason to pay debt if you can avoid it with at all cost. So, I'm almost done. No, you're taking I'm, time. I'm on a roll. You're doing great. Okay. Doing great. Speaking of debt, almost all of us have a credit card because you can't do some things without a credit card or maybe a debit credit type thing. Debt on that card, have you really looked at how much debt you're paying on what you're paying? And are you getting it down? That can be really depressing and very frustrating. So this is not new. This is not Ken Baker's thing. Uh, they're out there with, um, what was um, financial, what's his name? Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey made this very popular. Pick your, pick your most approachable debt, the lowest one that you have, and start to pay on that on a regular basis. So you've tucked in the 401K. You're starting to save $10 every paycheck to get to that six month. Now start picking a credit card or some kind of credit, maybe you have a loan or something, uh, and start paying that off. Purposely have a plan of where you're going and what you want to do. Can you get debt-free in three years? Can you get debt-free in five years? So what this really requires is discipline. Blech. Who hates that? <clears throat> right? We just want to go home, watch Netflix all day, and eat chips. Really? That's me. Okay. Sorry. All right. It might be some of you too. Uh, so you just go home, you hang out at a house, you're doing whatever you want to do. You have no purpose in your life. And I'm not saying this like slamming you. This is just the way some of us are some days of our week, not every single day. But what are you doing about your money? Have you thought about what you do with it? Where does it go? Where does it come? All right. Um, this is a mistake that I have made. Uh, I, we were, we were, Eric and I both worked in the same place. We had like no money, really. Uh, it's too, amazing. Me too, me too. Yeah, Pastor Ted too. It's amazing that we, we are here alive. But anyway. Um, we were working? We were alive, yeah. <laughs> and they had six kids? <laughs> yeah, they had six. We didn't get that far. All right. So when we were first married, we had to know where every penny Literally, every right. penny went to. We wrote it on a piece of paper, had a notebook. This was this. I flipped the page. This was gas for the week. Flipped the page. This was our groceries for the week. Flipped the page. And we wrote down everything we got in. We would add it. And now you can do it different ways. A very simple way is using envelopes. Now, this is a curse word. I apologize by saying it in church. It starts with a B. It's called Budget. So if you don't like the word budget, replace the word and call it goals or a plan. 
because that's all it is. It's say, okay, I don't even know where to start with a budget. I don't even know how much I should put in my groceries or how much I should put in my gas. So take a little notebook. They make spiral notebooks like this. You know, they flip them up at the top and you can flip it over. Take a notebook, take your phone, you know, join the modern age. You can actually track stuff. Um, and just write down, just like I said earlier about your time, write down what do you spend in one week. Now, you have bills every month and so forth, but, and we're not going to go through how to budget necessarily. But just start doing something. And then don't keep it a secret. Tell a friend. Tell someone else that's what you're trying to do. They should have permission to ask you next Wednesday, so did, how did that recording of your expenses go so far? Oh, man, I forgot Tuesday. I have no idea what I spent Tuesday. Okay, well, maybe. So maybe there's someone that's holding you accountable for what you're trying to start in your life. Some of you are way beyond what I'm talking about, and, but some of you really aren't. The mistake that I made, I, I started to say, was I did not include my wife when we first started. It was sort of my job that I did this. And truly, even today, Noreen really is pretty clueless about what comes in and what goes out. She just knows that if it, she spends a lot of money, I yell at her. And, and if she doesn't, I don't yell at her. <clears throat> That's actually true. But uh, anyway. You're training her, Ken. You're training her. <laughs> uh, there's a feature in my Discover card, which we do use, uh, that if you go and you spend over a certain amount of money at a store, I get a text. I get those texts before she's walking out the store. She hates that. But um, anyway, um, no. So speaking of credit cards, which is where, where I started, if you have a credit card, you should be able to, or you should have the goal to be able to start paying it completely, totally off. It's them loaning you money, money for free and you giving it back to them. If you can do that, then you should be able to use a credit card. If you're not currently doing that, then you need to find a way of not using your credit cards until you can. Credit cards, with every study, prove that you spend more. Just even us that pay it off every month, we still probably spend more than we normally would because we don't have the cash that comes out of our pocket and the $100 bill becomes 520s and the 520s become 20s and 10s and 5s and then it disappears. That is the best way to get disciplined about your money. But credit card debt is going to kill you. Uh, it, it's just sucking everything out. Both people should work on the money. They should be completely, totally informed. Even if they're not really interested and they're not the money person, they should at least have some basic knowledge of what you're doing, what you're trying to do, and the goal, and there's agreement, because otherwise you'll just fight about it, and that's the stress you don't need. And then lastly, the last thing I got is here. Make a simple document. It may be paper, but it has to be secure. It has to be somewhere secure. And it should have all of your accounts, your, your checking accounts, your credit card accounts, your insurance policies. All those pieces of information should be in one place within, with the passwords and the, the account numbers. And that's for your partner, if for your spouse, for the important person in your life that might need to know for your survivor. So it makes that job of knowing what's happening. If you're in the hospital for three weeks, and of course you don't, you don't think that's gonna happen, 
there's, there's some information that's available for that person to make decisions. Uh, it doesn't have to be extensive. It doesn't have to be 18 pages and all, every detail of everything. Just some cursory information about, like, does the person sitting next to you that might need to know, do they know that you have these three credit cards and these two bank accounts? And the, Do they know that? Do they know where to go and can they get to them? Do they have permission? Are they on the accounts? That was a lot. That's great. Eric, final thought? I'm sorry. I have two more things. Don't clap for him. He'll keep talking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's two more things. If you have a pen, if you have a pen, uh, Kevin, did you, were you able to figure that out? Could you put that up? Okay. Y-N-A-B. Anybody know what that means? You need a budget.com. It's really simple. You need a budget.com. They charge you, so there's a fee, but it is absolutely the best budgeting program that I am aware of. And I used to use it. We're not using it now. I rechecked this week just to make sure it's still what I expected it to be, and it is. And I did some review checking just to make sure it was still high up in the list of budgeting software. It's always number one in everybody's list. You need a budget.com. It's about six bucks a month, but it's worth it. it they have so many, they have hours of video you can watch, or they have, and they, they're smart. They make the hour ones and they make minute ones. So you that don't have a lot of time, you can watch it for a minute and get some general ideas. The second one is called crown.org. It was started by Larry Burkett under uh, a ministry, and that is a ministry-focused group, and they have spiritual reasons as well as to encourage you to how you use your money. They also have tools, and those tools are absolutely free on their website, and they have uh, things you can put on your phone, you can track, pocket protector, things like that that help you know what's happening. So those two things, uh, if you don't get them written down, we can get them to you. Eric, final thought? They also offer uh, counseling if you want financial counseling through. They'll hook you up with a group nearby to you to help you with advice and financing and things. Um, you had all the good things that, you know, we all, those of us that have heard finance, you know, speakers like that come up with all those things. I guess some of the things in our life is there's some things you just don't do so that you don't have to worry about finances. You don't do drugs. <laughs> You don't, <laughs> you know, things like that. But, I mean, really, your lifestyle is, again, is important. The things you do, some things cost a lot of money. Yeah. And some of it, you don't see it right up front either. You know, it squanders finances. Um, I guess, you know, you had said most of all the things, you know, that I could think of. And that's all right, because they heard it anyway. <laughs> Um, I know in my life, I can go on to the next thing, God has proven himself to be faithful. We worked, as Ken said, for many years at Teen Challenge, and it was a ministry, and they didn't have, they were very careful with their money. They didn't give a lot of it out to their employees. <laughs> so, <laughs> those that have worked there know. But nonetheless, we always had what we needed you know, to survive. I mean, and, you know, we're here today because we did. Now, in my life, 
there came a time when I wasn't going to be at Teen Challenge anymore. I say the transition we made from TC to MGD, because that's where I work now. <laughs> that's the initials of the place. Um, when we left to, from Teen Challenge, for several years, still working at Teen Challenge, we were looking at, hey, we really need to find a place of our own, find a home so that we can have equity in something. You can't rent forever because there's a time when you are going to need to move on or live and maybe not work at that place, and what are you going to do? You, so we were looking and looking and looking for probably six or seven years, the last six or seven years we worked there. We just could not find something that we could, <laughs> with our budget, that we could find and do, even with the housing allowance that they would offer. It just wasn't going to pan out for a family of six, or eight, actually, of us uh, with six kids. And But we continued to just do what we felt was right for for the Lord. We continued to tithe. We continued to serve in the church and do the things we needed to do. Okay, they came up to me and told me that they wouldn't be needing me on the farm anymore because they weren't going to continue farming. How many years were you there? Uh, 22. Um, but uh, so they said, in a month, we won't need you working here anymore. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so in a month's time, I had to find a new job to support my family, a place to live, <laughs> and all the things that go with that. You know, and we've been looking for a long time and had trouble finding it. But God, in His faithfulness, Hallelujah. I stopped work at the end of September. I had the weekend off because I started work the following Monday, where I work today, and I've been there 12 years now. Um, they told me I would have, you know, a month or two in the house that was okay. They would cover that because I'd been there for quite a while, knowing that I'd need to do something. We moved into the house we still live in today, the 1st of November, or right about that time. It was within two months' time. The house, I had no debt when we, you know, were working at Teen Challenge. But I didn't have a big, you know, I didn't think I had much of a credit rating because we didn't use credit, you know. <laughs> um, but when I went to the bank, and this is just before all the financial chaos that went on, because this is in 07. In 08, it wouldn't have worked. But in 07, they told me I had the highest credit score for somebody who had not ever purchased a home. I thought... How do you get that? Well, I just paid my bills. <laughs> and that, you know, they financed our, you know, our house for us and everything like that. And yes, that's the only debt I have. And that, even that, we're working on that. We're paying extra against that. Another thing to do to help you find it. If you can pay extra against your mortgage or whatever it is that you have debt against, you need to do that. Because it's, the debt isn't what kills you, it's the interest on it. <laughs> And if you can get that paid off, then you're not paying interest because interest isn't a tangible thing. You don't live in interest. You live in a house. <laughs> if you pay a lot of interest to get that house, you know, it's costing you. Um, but God was so faithful to us in that transition time. I've always had vehicles to drive. always had the food we needed to eat and take care of my kids. My kids went to college. Three, three of them went to college or, you know, secondary schooling that they want. They paid their loans off within a couple of years. They don't have big piles of student debt. Um, 
they're all working today or being a mom, if that's the case. Um, God has just blessed me incredibly. And it's not, all I've tried to do is be faithful. It's not pat Eric on the back time. This is pat God on the back time because he's the faithful one. We just need to be obedient, okay? If I was obedient, that's good. He's the faithful one, you know? So that's my testimony. And I'm sure Ken's is very similar to that too. But, but before I close it up, our time is up. Final thoughts, Kenan? Final thought, Eric? Uh, he said everything I would say about faithfulness. <laughs> I said everything he would have said about finances. Uh, we have not lacked. We have been very tight. We have been paid very small amounts of money, and neither my wife or I have ever worked at a position where it's just opulent income coming. We just don't know what to do with it. But uh, live simply, live within your means, buy what you can buy correctly, avoid debt and interest, and honor God with your time, your talent, and your money. This church needs you to participate in all three faithfully as well. Eric, final thought? Grab the, huh? Your thought out. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, Peter, you want to say something? I think Patty still owns... Patty still owns the first penny she ever made. That's where she's at. <laughs> so I was like, you know, a few things too. Yeah. We're going to finish. Yeah. Our heart, my heart really is prosper. May you use your time to glorify God. May you use your talent to extend the kingdom of God. And may you use your treasure to honor God, and that you can find your rest in God. I don't know how to finish it. Uh, I thought these gentlemen did a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job this morning. And so we're going to finish. I'll ask maybe Miss Corinda to come up. No, you know what? We just kind of finish. We'll stand up. But I would just say this as we finish. Um, yeah, I really don't have much really to say. I thought they'd... I thought they did a great job. This is spiritual. As much as praying and seeking the Lord and speaking in tongues, this is spiritual because really what we're doing is we're taking spiritual truths and we're making it where the rubber hits the road. And I just want to just see uh, the people that I have the privilege to work with, I want to see you even excel more. 78% of every American household, they live from paycheck to paycheck. That's stress. The Lord doesn't want us to be there. Save that you can be free. God wants us to be the head, not the tail. Go ahead, Ken. Grab the mic again, Ken. I'm pretty sure, I, I, don't, I didn't check this ahead of time, but I'm sure we have tools already here, some teaching, some yep. videos, some DVD uh, things. Uh, it doesn't have to be part of a big group that you attend. You could just watch it at your own home or however we can work that out. If you're in trouble, if you need help, come speak to someone. Ask for help. Don't stay in a silo because that's, uh, that's just a killer if you're just by yourself swirling and not knowing where to go. Um, 
I'm not sure what Prince telling me. I think a good thing is, let's stand. I think Mr. Baker, since he's been the money man, I think he better be the preaching man. I think he needs to close us in prayer this morning. So, Eric, thank you so much for your insight. Ken, thank you. Oh, yeah, and Miss Corinne said that uh, next week we'll go back to preaching. Uh, my daughter's coming to preach, and uh, she was, yeah, she's coming to preach, and she, she, was, she didn't even ask to come to preach on Sunday, but uh, I said, honey, if you're going to be here, why don't you go ahead? So she's a humble girl. She loves the Lord with all of her heart, and uh, those of you that are going to be going to the retreat, have a great time. Hey, thank you for making this the best church east of the Mississippi. This is a great, great congregation. It really is. Turn to the person next to you and tell them he's talking about you right now. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You're a great church. You're godly people. And that even goes for you, Myron Martin. Goes for you, Myron Martin. You're a great person. And Kenny Ocker. Kenny, just before we pray, you want to say anything, Kenny Ocker? You're always working me over. Is there anything you want to say, Kenny? Here it is. Here's your chance. You're doing good. That's what I thought. <laughs> Ken, would you take us to the Lord in prayer? And may the Lord bless y'all. And just, may he just continue prospering you, that his name may be glorified. Use your time, your talent, and your treasure for his glory. Kenan, would you take us? Father, you care about all that. <clears throat> you care about our time, uh, not because you're over us, lording over us, trying to make us be a certain way or this or that. You care about it because you love us. You want to see us do well. Your plan for us is to be uh, successful, not in the way maybe a televangelist would say a success is measured, yeah. but in how you measure success yeah. in the character yeah. of a man or a woman. God, I pray that we would be wise, that we would review, yeah, that good. this week, this, even this afternoon, we would review how we are. Where are we? How is our time? How is my talent or my ability or my interest? Am I using it? Am I using it? And how is my money and how am I using it? Do I need help? Do I need to reach out in any of these areas? God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, like Pastor Ted said, this is as spiritual of anything in our lives. God, these three areas, God, because they really rule everything about our lives. That's right. That's right. So, Father, we pray that you would and the Holy Spirit would speak to people right now. God, you're speaking to me right now, so I know you're speaking to other people in this room right now about these areas in their life. God, that we would not be afraid to be disciplined, that we would not be afraid to set a goal, and we might even call it a budget or whatever name we want to put on it, God, budgeting our time, our talents, our abilities, and our money, and we do that in your name. Amen.